This is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and you just tuned in to RM Podcast FL. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to RM Podcast FL, and happy June. I'm super duper excited, you guys. June is going to be amazing because we have two birthdays. It's my birthday and it's RM Podcast FL's birthday as well. RM Podcast FL is turning one, you guys. So if you are one of those listeners that has been with us since episode one, I want to give you a huge, huge thank you for trusting me with your time and thank you for tuning in every week and listening to a new episode. And so far, if you followed my advice, learn one new thing per episode. No, I'm not going to try to sing. But <laughs> learn one new thing per episode, you guys. You should have 78 new things that you've learned so far. I mean, that's not a lot. But also, that's not a few for a course of the year. <laughs> well, without losing any time, I definitely want to go ahead and introduce you guys to today's guest speaker. But also remind you guys to give us that five-star review if you're listening to the episode from Apple Podcasts, as well as a short comment, tell us how awesome we're doing. Did you do it yet? Five-star review? How about now? Well, if you didn't do it just yet, do it now. Five-star, short comment. Got it? Thanks. <laughs> awesome. So today's guest speaker, actually, you guys, is Oklate wilson Tay. I had the pleasure of actually knowing Oklate for a while now, but I never had a deep conversation with him like we just did during this conversation. So I'm very glad I reached out to him and he very openly accepted the invitation. So Oklate, thank you so much for taking your time on a Friday and doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it. And for all you guys that don't know him, he is the president of Tay Consulting Group Inc., which is a consulting firm located in North Carolina. And after moving to U.S. from Ghana and completing his high education, he found himself working multiple jobs till one job finally stuck with him and that actually completes his life purpose. So since 2012, he has been running the consulting group, you guys. And during this interview, we actually talk about the importance of work ethics and how work ethics actually helps you achieve your goals and achieve, helps you be successful no matter how big your goals are, even if those goals scare us sometimes. And yes, entrepreneurship is exciting. It's awesome, but it's also hard. So we actually get into the nitty gritty of it as well. And you will actually learn how listening and improving listening skills as a consultant, it actually helped him grow his business by double of its size. So I want you guys to listen to this episode, take notes if you have to, and if you actually want to connect with Oklate, what I will do for you guys is on the details, go ahead and check out Bourbon with O. He has some amazing episodes, you guys, where he actually sits down with his team and talks about some really important topics of the business and different aspects of business sometimes. Topics that we're not so comfortable talking about, but it just needs to be talked about. So, without losing any time, let's dive into the interview. I hope you guys enjoyed and connect with Oklate and enjoy his episode of Bourbon With O as well. Enjoy! Enjoy! 
So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in and investing your time to RM Podcast FL. Just like I said on the intro, today's guest speaker is Alclate Wilson Tay. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for taking your time and being a part of our podcast. I know, <laughs> I know it's Friday right now, and you probably have something to do this Friday, so thank you for taking your time. But the episode will launch on Tuesday, guys, so thank you for tuning in. But without losing any time, I'm going to pass on the mic to you. Tell us a little bit young you to today. Let the audience know you better. All right, fair. So, um, yeah, my name is Oclayton Wilson Tay, born and raised in Ghana. And I moved to the States when I was 19 to Hanover College in Southern Indiana. I graduated from Hanover in 2009, went to Kentucky, and I did a couple master's degrees in Kentucky. I worked a little bit, you know, along my time doing all that. I worked for um, the Embassy of Ghana in D.C. for a little bit. Um, I worked in academia, student ambassador, and, you know, I gave tours and stuff like that. And um, I, had, I had a little bit of experience in PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, just doing, you know, some supposed to be accounting stuff, but it felt more like data entry to me. You know, after that, I decided, you know what? I don't enjoy any of these things. Uh, I wasn't having a good time with any of them. So I sent out my application to a couple of different companies and I got a response from a company that was in Providence, Rhode Island. You know, I figured, hey, listen, man, I live in Kentucky. I've never been to Providence, why not? So I went to Providence, Rhode Island um, and I started doing face-to-face, door-to-door sales, learning how to speak to people and how to make an impact in less than five minutes. With zero sales experience, uh, (laughs) I got pretty good pretty quickly. And um, there was an individual over there that had the opportunity to go to New York and open up his sales company. And I decided, well, the goal is entrepreneurship, so I'll move out with him and do that. So I moved to New York. I worked my way, got my opportunity to run my own company. And I took five people from the office in New York and we went to Albuquerque, New Mexico to start ours over there. And I spent about two years in Albuquerque, did very well, expanded three times in two years. And then I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm at right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tale of two halves, you know. The first half of my time here in Charlotte I didn't grow very much. I was doing a lot of learning. Everything felt really, really slow. And the second half of my time in Charlotte, I can't believe how quickly things have moved and um, how big the business has got, how much I've learned, um, the kind of attention I've got, good and bad. A lot of stuff has changed in in my life on the way. Uh, You know, I I got married and um, expecting a kid in 10 weeks. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. You're expecting a little princess. Yes, I am. Oh, <laughs> That's a completely different learning curve for me on that one. But Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I know, but I got to learn to coach. It's, it's, it's the biggest job I've ever had. So I got I to gotta be the best version of me I can be for that. But that's me right now. And um, that's where we're at here in Charlotte right now. Nice. So, yeah, um, did you and your wife already agree that your daughter is allowed to date after 35 years old? Is that their agreement so far? Or I'm still not okay with that. <laughs> um, not even a little bit, you know. So, it's, you know, my wife keeps saying, 
babe, don't be that guy. I know you're going to be that guy. I was like, I am going to be that guy. <laughs> I just, I can't control that. I, it's going to happen. I did that with my sister. Now that it's my daughter, which, you know, I have to do that. So. So let's go back to Rhode Island. When you moved to Providence, you said you started business face-to-face, uh, -face, like face-to-face -face residential sales, and you had zero experience for that. What was the biggest obstacle, or did you have a misconception of, okay, I'm not going to knock on people's doors to sell stuff? You know, I never, I never had, you know, a misconception. Um, I, I knew very well that I was overqualified to knock on doors, but I knew very well that, was, that I was underqualified to run a business. Oh, and I, I knew I had to learn that, you know? So I figured, you know what? No. Well, why should someone trust me to run a business doing sales when I haven't proven to them that I can do it? So I figured, you know what? I'm just gonna do this. And when we talk about obstacles, honestly, I didn't have any obstacles in sales you know I've, I've always been a very direct person um i've always i've always been very logical um so there was really no emotion about what i was doing but at the same time when it came to building my business that's where i struggled you know training people um because i before that i didn't know people thought that differently You know, I just, I hadn't experienced humans that thought very differently from me. Getting into that field, I was just like, holy crap. You know, people, their thought process is all mixed with emotions and people run on emotions. And I, I was just, I was never used to that. So you talk about obstacles. I didn't have obstacles in sales um, or doing sales. I had obstacles in teaching people sales. What uh? What did you do to improve your people skills? Because that's a skill that is not learned easily, and sometimes you have to like smash your face <laughs> to learn your lesson. Because even though you read it in a book, it's not the same as learning from experience. But no, what did yeah. what did you do to improve your people skills? Well, I started listening. You know, you initially when you when you talk to people and people are very different from you, your first reaction is to, you know, label them as ignorant, you know? And for me, I think I hit a point in my maturity where I started to understand that if I was calling individuals wrong or ignorant for thinking different, it was me being ignorant to the fact that everyone inherits a different background. And that's what makes individuals, you know, that's what shapes their, you know, thought process. That's what shapes, you know, their emotional patterns. That's what shapes all that stuff. So I realized that I didn't have to agree mm -hmm. or be like an individual to get along with them. I realized I just needed to listen. And whatever worked for someone is what worked for someone. Whatever made them happy is what made them happy. So as long as it did not compromise what centered me, I was all right with that. So When I started listening, I started realizing, man, you know what? They're just different. They're not better. They're not worse. They're different. And as they should be. They're coming from a completely different background. Of course they're different. You know, so I, I started to realize that me accepting that people are different gave me the perspective or the advantage to actually use the fact that they were different 
to reach other people that I would never relate to, but had a ton of value to add. So I, I turned that into, into an advantage, you know? I was like, listen, man, there's all of us and there's all these people, you know? It's divide and conquer time. So that's, that's pretty much what I did. That is, that is so true, though, because Nora, our mutual friend, she actually, one of the biggest lessons, two big lessons that I remember from her, but one of the biggest lessons was if somebody makes you mad or don't agree with you, it's not that they're doing it intentionally or they're doing because of ignorance, it's just they're making the best decision that they know with also. And that is such a big thing to comprehend because you expect everybody to have the same logical approach. Yeah. And that's not the case at all, especially when you come from different backgrounds. Like I'm Albanian, you're from Ghana. Like we're in America. Like it's a whole different background. Yeah. Did you, did you find like what culture? Because on the business, I'm sure you also related to multiple cultures, not just to the American culture. Was there uh, different lessons that you learned maybe from different background people or different cultures that you'd be like, oh, like this culture, I learned this from them? So <laughs> it's funny because coming into the business, I learned more about, I, I learned more about, you know, the African culture than I did when I was in Ghana. And this is what I mean by that. I learned more about, so much that I had taken for granted growing up in Ghana. You know, so much of what um, I called chores, so much of what you know, I called, you know, just me hanging out with my friends, so much of me figuring stuff out myself. I learned that, you know, what a lot of people would have called a disadvantage at that time was was an investment and an advantage that was going to prove invaluable, you know? And it's, you know, I watch people struggle to do things that I do naturally and I think of naturally. Um, I watch people point fingers um, at others for their situation. And, you know, my mindset with that is, how are you comfortable doing that? Because you know, I've, growing up, we always heard, if nothing is your fault, what are you in control of? You know, and we live in, I would live in a culture where everyone wants to be in control, but no one wants to take control, you know? So it was, you know, it was very, it was very fascinating for me to see, because I was like, man, you know what? If something went wrong, I'd be in front of Andrew, like, hey, that's, it's my fault. It's on me. It's on me. What do I got to do? You know, because I knew, all right, if it's on me, I can fix it. If it's mm -hmm. not on me, then I'm at the mercy of everyone else. You know, so I, I would say I learned the most from the African culture, to be honest. That is, that's interesting that you say that, though, because you do really appreciate your culture or your background a lot more when you come here. Like, for example, for example, in Albania, I grew up with my parents having construction, like primary construction stuff. So back home, we use bricks, use cement, white cement, like completely different, right? Mm -hmm. and I remember very good, like t going back a little bit to door-to-door -to -door sales. Like one thing that didn't really face me with it is because on summertime or on my 
weekends or whenever it would be holiday, I would go with my dad, business side to business side. And he would literally have like tiles and bricks on the back of his truck. And we would try to negotiate. He'd say, hey, if you want this many truckloads, we'll give it to you this much per piece. But if you prepay, we'll give it to you for a discount. Or if you do that, like all the negotiating back and forth that it would be like probably like five to 10 cents. But if you times that by like, a, you know, per piece, times it with thousands of bricks per truckload, that's a big amount. Mm -hmm. That didn't phase me. But when I came here, People be uncomfortable negotiating or getting down to the numbers. I've noticed that. Did you run into that too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like people, I don't know what it is, but it's people are so hesitant to engage in conversation, right? And I, I, don't, I don't think it's, you know, I, I think people always fear that, oh, you know what, ah, that makes me uncomfortable. What if this, what if that? But I think people here, a lot of the time, spend so much time in the realm of what if, and not enough time in the realm of what is. You know, and a lot of the time, the, the what if doesn't hurt. The, the what if just makes you anxious. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that slows you down. But I think if you focused on what is now, what is it right now? Okay, I have this much and I want to give this much. I have this much and I want you to accept this much. That's what is, that is what is in existence. And if I put it out there, then I get a response for it. You know what I mean? And that's moving me forward. Now, if I sit there and I contemplate about what if I say this and what if they say this and what if they say that, unfortunately, whatever is going on in my mind has zero sound. And for someone else to perceive what I'm saying and to understand it, they need to hear it and process it. And if I am not verbalizing those things, then we're really not having accurate communication. And at that point, we don't get anything done. So it is a huge, 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 like, you know, um, drawback when it comes to productivity, when people are so hesitant to, to involve in conversation that leads to negotiation, because you never know what you're going to learn. You never know what you're going to earn. You never know what you're going to help an individual with if you just talk. What, what would be one of the maybe the aha moments I would say are one of the, the experiences with the negotiation or just communicating that you've learned a lot personally, maybe through a coaching or a mentor that you would say. Listening, right? Like when you're talking about negotiation, right? A lot of people go into negotiation and they're like, you know what? This is what I want. This is it. This is that. I think that's good but I think you can screw yourself out of a better deal sometimes because you never know what an individual is dealing with on the back end. Right? So the way I see it is I was like, Oh, all right, this is a number that I can live with. All right. That's what I am not going to, you know, I'm not going to accept anything, you know, below this number. All right, cool. But my initial, my initial plan, is to listen. I listen to people, I listen to what they're saying, I watch them, 
I watch, you know, you know, the body language or when they say certain things and you can tell, all right, this individual is not desperate. Let me go with the number that I can live with that they've, they've said, or, oh, okay, this guy is kind of desperate. You know, he needs this and I want this. Let's talk. I'm not looking to screw him, but I'm looking to make sure that I get the most out of the negotiation without, you know, putting him, you know, in a bad spot. You know what I mean? So you're, yeah, absolutely. Because you have to look at both parties too. And sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. So it all balances out too, even though you'd want to win most of the time. <laughs> yeah, winning is nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, for quite some time, you've been running your own office, which we do with the residential sales. How has that, like the whole bit, well, you started on uh, New Mexico, we said, and then you moved to to Charlotte. How, like, what is the biggest misconception that you'd say people have when it comes to running a business? Because everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. But everybody wants to, you know, be the expert. But sometimes I joke with it. I say, you don't even know how to do accounting or you don't even know how to budget your own monthly. Like, how are you going to budget a business? <laughs> but so, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, you know, the biggest misconception is, is, you know, people think you always have an endless flow of money. And you don't spend any money hmm. and it's that would be nice though right you know that'd be great you know like, that, that'd be phenomenal that'd be like a habitual lotto winner right but it's it's not that you know don't get me wrong i love the financial side of things it, it allows me to do so much stuff that i would never be able to do um but the cool thing about about all of that with entrepreneurship, it's, it's, an all, it's all in my control, right? It's all in my control. Um, people's like, oh yeah, you know what, if the market does this, well pay attention and adjust. Adjust to things, pivot when you have to. Do not be dogmatic about what's going on because the world is always moving forward. You have to be pragmatic if you're going to be successful. And being pragmatic is in your control. But one of the biggest misconceptions, like I was saying is, People think there's an endless flow of money that comes in from you not doing anything and you being on vacations all the time, right? That's not true. You know, there, when I first opened up my office, I was in my office from eight o'clock in the morning until 11 at night, you know, and I wasn't making very much money. And the reason I wasn't making very much money was I wasn't very good. You know, I was brand new at running an office. I was brand new at coaching people. I had to prove to these individuals that I was worth, I was worth following. And the minute I was able to prove that, and I proved that through putting more, putting more effort than any of them. You know, I put in more effort, I put in more time, um, I put in more blood, sweat, and tears. And they understood that, all right, all right, this is someone that we want to, we want them fighting for us. And when they understood that, the tide turned. You know, it, it turned to the point where I wasn't in the office for long periods of time. Um, I got to be at the gym for long periods of time. I got to travel a lot. I got to, you know, go home and visit. But at that point, I had put in so much that it was getting paid out to me now. I see. So that is a misconception that I see a lot of. 
entrepreneurship is not a part-time job. What, um, did your, did you grow up with a bit like with family running business or like, tell me a little bit about your background. Like why were you so motivated to have your own business and make it successful? So yeah, my dad, my dad always ran his own business and he was very, very successful. Like more, more successful than anyone I know. And he was, you know, he was always very generous, very kind, but he worked his butt off. You know, I would see him travel all the time. There were times where I tried to sneak out to play video games at night because I wasn't allowed to play video games on the weekend. On the weekdays sometimes when my grades were not good. Um, but I tried to sneak out and play video games. And he's in the living room. Like I'm, I'm talking midnight, 1 o'clock, working. You know, just writing stuff down. You know, creating stuff. Because he, he ran an insurance company for years. And I would see him do that multiple times a night. I mean, multiple times a week. And when I, when I got older, I, I started to understand the kind of effort that must have taken because he would go to work all day, you know, building his company, come back, be a dad, be a husband, and he'd spend time with us and, you know, my mom and stuff like that. And then when we all went to bed, he'd do additional work. So I've always thought this. I got everything as a kid. You know, I had a phenomenal childhood. I came... I came to Hanover College and I had a small scholarship, but I didn't pay a dime of my tuition because my dad paid it all, you know, and he didn't ask for it back or nothing like that. You know, my first car, my dad bought it cash, gave it to me, it was a brand new Toyota Camry. Um, and I got a lot growing up. I got to travel, went to soccer camp, went to Boy Scout camp. So I grew up very privileged. And when I got on my own, something clicked and I said, yo, oh, none of this is yours. You know, this is, this is your dad's doing. Now you got to create your own. So when I got the opportunity to, um, to create my own business, in my mind, I thought, man, I have zero excuse to not do better than my dad because I got more than he got growing up. Yeah. Oh, so I was just like, man, mathematically, if I work just as hard as him, I should get more than him, you know? So it's an obsession um, to do better than him. He keeps making it harder and harder. Um, what, but, what habits would you say he taught you young, though? Because you could have very easily end up being a privileged kid that just dad provided everything and did not take responsibility. Like, yeah, what no, habits absolutely. did he taught you young? Absolutely. I, so I went to an international school where um in ghana where expatriates went and it was very expensive very very expensive and you know seeing all these kids and all that like they didn't have anything i didn't have the only difference was my dad made sure i never called the stuff that you know i had mine you know so when you know when he would send his driver to pick us up from school. Most people in school say, hey, uh, Clayton, your driver is here. I'm like, whoa, no, I don't have a driver. That's my dad's driver. You know, hey, Clayton, we're coming to your house. I don't have a house. It's my dad's house. You know, and my dad did that to shatter any form of entitlement that we could have. So none of us kids felt, you know, entitled to anything that he had done 
he was just very generous with what he had earned. And I, I've always understood that since I was six, seven years old, you know? So just growing up, I knew, I, I knew if I asked him for stuff, he'd give it to me. But I knew I, I was never entitled to stuff. I was not entitled to good grades. I was not entitled to, you know, starting on the soccer team. I was not entitled to anything. It was just, I was entitled to me giving myself a shot. That's, that's what I was entitled to, you know? That's, uh, it just, you talking and just bringing back a lot of like memories of how I grew up and everything. Like, like my parents, I remember me and my brother were so young and we would stay in our apartment and my parents would still be working and we would cook together. We would make sure like check uh, each other's homeworks or make do the laundry, which back home laundry, you don't have the dryer. You have to like hang uh, them. So you learn everything. And that's so true. Cause when you grow up with it, you see the work that your parents put in you appreciate things even more. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I <laughs> I used to wake up, or my mom would wake me up at five. Now, mind you, we had, like, my parents paid help to, you know, clean the house, cook, wash the cars, right? But they would wake me up at five o'clock before school, and I'd sweep and clean the cars, you know, just because it was a chore. Yeah. And I didn't have to do it for that, for the cars to be clean, because that's what they paid the help for. But my parents would tell the help, don't do it. They need to do it. He needs to do it. That's so true. Years, you know? That's so true. Like back home, we have prepaid phones, so you'd have to put like money in it to use it. So if I want it, I had like a budget, like $10 a month, which was silly. And I'm like, my friends have so much, but they're just like, no. You want more, you come to our office, you do this Excel spreadsheets, you get the job done, we'll get you $10 and you have three hours. And I'm like, this is insane. But thinking of it now, like it just teaches you so many stuff that at first you're like, this is silly. My friends are not doing it, but it just really helps you on your, on your growth in the future. Absolutely. Now, I do want to ask you this. Um, I feel like we can re we, we relate to a lot of things, but what did you think the biggest reason when um, immigrants or where foreign people come to America, um, they, I would say they do sometimes, and I'm not trying to bash nobody, but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes they do better what that people that are born here do. Like, what do you think is, di is different from them? It's perspective, you know, um, that, that's all it is, right? I think it's perspective. I don't think it's a, it's a different makeup of mm -hmm. the, themselves. I think it's perspective because when you've seen things um, a certain way, you know, like I'll give you an example. In a, lot of, uh, in a lot of African countries, if you don't have very much power and you're a little helpless, you don't have a great education and stuff like that, you get taken advantage of by the government. You know, um, in the States, if you're in the same situation, there's so many awesome checks and balances that you get paid by the government through taxes of people doing better, right? And it's, it's just the way the system is set up. You know, the system is set up for individuals who have a different perspective to come in and thrive. 
you know you look at you, you look at real estate here i remember when i bought when i bought my first house i was looking at it and i, I was talking to my brother i was like this seems too easy he's like what do you mean i was like it just seems simple it's just like okay so i just manage my money i save a little bit of money here um i have decent credit and then i go buy a house and i get tenants put them in there they pay more money to me than the mortgage and you make money uh, i'm making money that sounds too easy he's like yeah. yeah that's exactly what it is and i was like and i i mean this, this is six years later and i can't i still can't believe it. i'm like this this is is wild you know I, I okay i don't spend more than you make oh okay don't max out a credit card oh okay like big deal you know i, I don't need to go buy that you know so it's it's just a different perspective and 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 it's not every it's it's not you know it's not every immigrant that comes here and is is super successful and it's not every um native that is from here that you know struggles or whatever it is i, I think it's it's the different factors to it there the people that grew up rich that never want to be poor so they make sure that they're successful the people that grew up rich that never went through stuff to build them so then that they end up poor and they're poor people that never want to be poor ever again and they do that and they're poor people that all they've seen is poverty so really that is all they can fathom that is their entire reality and that's where they stay you know so i i i think perspective is huge your vision is huge and your exposure is massive too you know it's like who do you come across you know, you do come across people that are, are completely different and offer a different worldview, or do you just stay around people like you that have, you know, your same worldview, you know? How do you help your new guys change their perspective and improve their visuality for the future? Because that's not easy sometimes. So, you know, one of the things that I've learned running a business is a lot of people try to change something that has been created over 18 plus years. And they try to change that in one year, right? Good luck, you know? Um, it's, it's probably not gonna happen. So when you talk about changing perspective, um, I don't really focus on changing their perspective I focus on redirecting them and giving them belief that they can get what they want. Now, if all they want is, you know, all they want from life is just mediocre stuff and they're truly happy, I want to I want to make sure that they're truly happy with that mediocre stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're getting for them. That's what I'm making sure that they get at least because we try to make people get stuff that they don't truly want, that they believe they should want. And that's a disaster, you know, because that's not what they want. You know, not everyone wants a ton of money. Not everyone wants a ton of, you know, fame and, and recognition and stuff like that. Some people just want to be able to go home to their cats and have a good night. You know, some people just want to make enough money so they can buy beer, pay their bills, and have a little bit if they get sick. That's their, you know, that's their mindset. That's their, 
that's how they think of you know of a great life and i'm not i'm not looking to change that perspective i'm just looking to make sure that whatever perspective they have serves them well um i want to tap on a little bit though because a lot of people sometimes they do want to settle for you know like for the normal life that they have right now pay their bills get their beer sleep you know sleep tight at night but sometimes i feel like people that's what they think their limit is and they they have not seen themselves in a better status that just by one or two more hours of work a day for example which is not a big difference one to two hours more a day just keep going or even like an hour a day right but they they haven't seen that the new level of what they can do and how much more comfortable life they can live so how can you help them to push them not necessarily um like to motivate them okay. to get to that level you get what i'm saying yeah so um i i'm i'm a big uh you know i'm a big advocate for inspiring people through my example right i i love i love living a great life you know i i i love driving a mercedes i love traveling I love that kind of stuff. You know, my wife makes fun of me because I'll see a forerunner and I'm like, oh, we have the kid, you know? Um, I gotta get a forerunner. She's like, baby, you're never driving anything out of the Mercedes. Who are you kidding? I'm like, I know, it's so nice, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just they are nice, I'm not gonna argue. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't feel potholes. It's, it's wild, you That know? is very true. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I like for my guys, I'm very hands-on with my guys, right? Mm -hmm. I like for my guys to hang out with me. I like for my guys to, to go do cool stuff with me. And the, you know, the goal there is twofold. I like the individuals. So I like spending time with them. I get fulfillment, you know, learning about them, you know, creating experiences with them. And in the exchange, I hope, I hope, you know, some of the stuff that we do, they're like, man, I would like to do this. And if they generally would like to do that, let's get after it. If all those experiences are stuff like, you know what, uh, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. Fine too, you know, because it's like an internship, right? You find out what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Most of the time here in the United States, your internship teaches you what you don't want to do. Um, but it's, you know, I, I am really hoping when I do that, when I spend time with my guys, um it does the opposite it, it you know it sparks a, a certain you know fire in them and they get inspired to say you know what i do deserve more you know and um that that takes me to the next point that i'm, I'm gonna make here i think a lot of people just don't they don't believe they deserve more so one thing i've been doing in the past two years running my business is i love to empower people because when I've empowered people, wherever they land, they know they did that. You know, they know they did that. And if it's not where they want to be, they know they can get out of it because they're empowered. I do believe that they can, you know, they can do whatever they want to do. And when someone is empowered, they'll go after what they feel they deserve. I like that. Thank you for sharing. That is so true, though. Like, once you know you're in charge and you can, there's really no stopping you. No. Like you need to you need to gain power of your own future because that's that's not easy stage to get to. No, no, it's it's not, and I think sometimes it takes 
takes frustration. It takes um, disappointment. It takes, it takes mentors that are actually kind and care, you know, and um, especially if, you know, you weren't raised that way. You know, there are people that are raised and they're told they're good for nothing or they will never achieve anything or, and they believe that. So there's a lot of work that has to be undone um, to, you know, to kind of break, you know, that, those goggles of, you know, of just mediocrity and say, hey, listen, man, like, you have everything it takes to do more than this. Do you want more than this? Yes. No. All right. Then we go from there. Okolite, <laughs> uh, if somebody, like, what would you like your legacy to be? If, let's say, me and Nora are having a conversation tomorrow, or just two people that have run across you at some point have a conversation, but like, you know what Okolite is, or, like, what would you like people, what would you like you to be recognized as, or your legacy behind? So there's three things that I would like the most, and... As you can tell, I think about this a lot, right? I'd like for people to say O'Clayton was kind. I'd like for people to say O'Clayton was influential. And I'd like for people to say O'Clayton was aware. I, I, am so, um, I am so far away from where I wanna be when it comes to my emotional intelligence um, because Partly because I'm like, holy crap, you know what? People are everything. You know, you don't have anything without people. Yep. And, you know, a high IQ only does so much, you know? Um, so for me, I have to be, I have to get better with my emotional intelligence. Now that I'm having a daughter, goodness gracious me, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's mandatory that my emotional intelligence goes up, you know, it's just yeah. death at this point, you know, I have 10 weeks to significantly improve it, you know, and then she's here and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Right. But <laughs> I want people to, to know that I was aware. I want people to, to know that I was influential because I, I really do think I have people's best interests at heart. If I can influence people to actually go for what they want, I think that'd be awesome. And I love being kind. I really do. I, I like to see people that have no shot at doing some stuff, do some awesome stuff and surprise the crap out themselves. Nice. Yeah. I mean, emotional intelligence is definitely uh, a field that I've been trying to improve myself to. Um, I did actually, it's funny that you say it. Because Emotional Intelligence 2.0, the book, it splits on four different parts. And I actually have them right in front of me. It says the first one, social awareness strategies, relationship management strategies, self-awareness strategies, and self-management strategies. So from time to time, when I get my work, I just blur out and I just read some of them and it just kind of like reprogram my brain. It's, it's a, a book I would highly advise. And it's emotional intelligence 2.0. 2 .0. 2 .0. Mm -hmm. And they'll have you do a quiz at first before you start the book. And then you'll read the book and then they'll have you do the quiz again after you finish. And they'll pretty much tell you like what you've learned more and what you still need to improve a little bit. It's really I hate, beneficial. I hate emotional intelligence quizzes. They <laughs> always make me feel so bad. They well, always make me feel so bad. 
I did the book and the audio, so whichever one, but I highly advise, especially with the little daughter coming around. Before we jump to the final question, uh, what's a new and exciting project that you're working towards? I know you have Bourbon Without currently. If you want to tell us a little bit more about that, too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Bourbon Without is, um, it's funny because it's not really a, a new thing that we're doing. It's just a new thing that we're allowing people to see. Um, it's something that I've always, I've always done, not in, a, not in such a structured format. But, you know, one of the things that I've enjoyed running my own business lately is, or just, just in general, was hanging out with people that I'm building the business with and, you know, letting our guard down and talking about stuff that, you know, we're not going to get judged for, you know, um, talking about just real stuff, talking about stuff that matters, talking about, you know, the things that people don't want to address because they're going to be looked at, you know, as weak, arrogant, pompous, everything you can think of. But it's just, you know, the reality of it, you know, it's the reality of it. And we've done that for years. And, you know, for, you know, for a couple of years now, a couple of my, you know, my guys here have been like, listen, oh, I think you need to put that online. I think you need to put that out there. It's a good window into our culture most people only you know most people think all we do is door door sales door door sales and i started thinking i was like man you know people look at my company um when they look at it as door to door sales it's like looking at a fraternity as only parties right and that is so not true that is only what the public sees so to the public Yes, that is true. To us, that is so false because there's so much stuff that goes on behind closed doors. So I figured, you know what? Um, people want to know more about what I do and who I am and why I think the way I think and why the people I work with think the way they think. I said, you know what? Here we are. Here we are, unfiltered, uncensored. Do with it what you want. Um, don't do with it what you want. You know what? Like it if you do. Please dislike it if you don't. Because um, I'm not here to get my ego stroked. You know, I'm, I'm here to get better. Uh, so it's, you know, it's up now. Um, the first two episodes are up. We're actually, we've shot six episodes. Um, and honestly, I think they get better every single episode. Uh, the first two episodes was just us. In case, you know, we didn't, we didn't get stuff right or whatever it is. But then the third episode, we have one of my really good friends who owns one of the biggest and fastest growing chiropractic businesses here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, he, he comes in and he talks, he talks to us a bunch about some stuff. And then the next one is, you know, we have a guest talk about money. And the next one, we have an individual that um, used to be in the, in my in my company but now is doing he's moving some stuff with music here in charlotte mm -hmm. and um on monday we have uh we have uh, an individual that grew his business um significantly from starting his business in 2017 it's a cleaning company um so he's on there and he's um he's coming to chat and you know we we have um we have 
13 episodes written out so far. Um, I know episode eight is going to be pretty cool because we're going to be at a cabin in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And we're going to have a couple of different owners on there. Nice. Uh, um, episode seven is going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be all about girl power. We have a special guest coming on there for that as well. So um, I'm pretty excited about this project for a couple of reasons. Um, I'm pretty excited about it because it's going to take away some of the misconceptions of, you know, about who we are, mm-hmm. what we do, and um, it's going to be really, really cool. And, um, you know, to add to that, I'm doing, I'm doing kind of like a high school tour. I'm speaking to, you know, high school seniors. Um, just just letting, letting kids know that, you know, some of them need to go to college and some of them need to find their own path. And it's okay. It's okay to work hard to find your own path. You don't have to be like everybody else. Um, and, you know, you, you, just, you just have to do what you feel is right, you know. So um, the, first, the first presentation is next Thursday. Um, and it's turning out to be a lot of a bigger audience than I thought. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Uh, they've, they've turned it into this rah-rah meeting, and I'm not a rah-rah guy. So we'll find out. But I'm excited about that. I'm excited to give back. Um, I'm excited to give, give kids an outlet, you know, who the system doesn't give them an outlet. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of presentation, honestly, would have been super helpful for me my senior year because that's when I moved to America. And I went to school, studied pharmacy, which I dropped out because my parents told me that was the best choice. So student loans later, I hate pharmacy. I'm nowhere close to pharmacy now. But if I had such a presentation like that, like I was one of the individuals that had to go out in the world and explore and actually find out what I really enjoy and then really dive into that and get results on like what, what I'm really passionate about. So I think that presentation would honestly be amazing because I'm one of individuals that I would have fully benefited from such a presentation because to me it was the formula, go to school, you find a job and came to find out that's not the way you just, it's a roller coaster. (laughs) It's not just a straight formula. (laughs) You you figure it out, you pay attention and it's, you know, like my, my, my big message is, Trust your work ethic to get you out of anything. You know, um, if you trust your work ethic to get you out of anything, you won't be afraid to make decisions. That is very true. Work ethic, nobody can take away your work ethic. True. You control it. No? Very true. (laughs) And my very last, well, but also for the audience, you guys, I'll go ahead and attach all the information here so you can definitely tune in with bourbon with O. he has these episodes are out they're awesome and i it's it's great to like if you're driving to your commute to work i actually did that one time when i was driving i listened to one of those episodes it's amazing you guys because it's literally no filters and you can see the chemistry between you guys on the like talking it's really there so you can tell you guys are connected also and it's not just something just putting it out there for the audience you can catch in there right away solid I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that's portrayed because that was one of the, um, you know, I, I got some feedback and they were like, dude, we can tell that you guys like really care about each other. And I was like, yeah, sometimes too much. 
Um, no, it's detected right away. The chemistry is there. Like you can tell right away. It's like, hold it, guys. What are you thinking? You're bottling up. Like you can catch the chemistry and you can tell you guys know each other. And it's not just a show, but it's actually for a bigger purpose, putting it out there. I'm excited to look, to listen to the other episodes too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited for episode three to come out. It's, um, it's some of the stories, man, you know, so, oof, some of the stories, March, March 16th, we film the one I am most excited for. It's a phenomenal story. And it's um, this 58-year-old guy who is very successful now, but was not successful by the age of 50. Um, and he's, he's done some awesome things. He can also bench 530 pounds. So he's, he's a monster all around. I'm excited for him. Nice. I'm excited to listen to that one, too. You said on March that one launches? Nah, no. Um, that one is being filmed on March 16th. I'm not sure when the launch date is, um, but you, you, you'll see it on my Instagram, um, you know, when I'm about to launch it. And it's um, this, this dude owns his own, you know, uh, he's a psychotherapist, and he owns his own practice, and he's helped so many people. And it's, it's about mental health and his story. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I expect a lot, of, uh, a lot of education for me and for the audience as well. Nice. That's awesome. You should turn this to a podcast. I'm telling you. It's we're, not we're, just we're in the process of it. You know, the first two, we didn't, um, actually the first four, we didn't put, uh, you know, voice memos because we were just going. Um, mm -hmm. And then last you know, yeah, last week, that episode, we recorded a voice memo. So uh, Michelle is going to be turning that into a podcast. So Baker? Yeah. Love you. Hello, Michelle Baker. We love you. <laughs> She's awesome. And my very final question, what is your definition of success? Um, my definition of success is, is doing what you want to do. You know, like having the ability to do what you want to do. And I'm not saying, oh, you know what? I go on vacation and I just get my time off and I pay this much or, or I'm going to the school. Like most people don't ever do what they want to do. Like you hear people say, oh, I'm going to my dream school. No, you're going to the school that accepted you, that you could afford, so you apply to. Now you could afford that school because of what you earn, and you earn what you earn because of what an individual values you at, and they pay you. So it's not really what you want. It's not your dream school. It's your dream school within your means, right? The same thing with buying cars. Oh, my dream car. When you ask them what's your dream car, they'll tell you the car that they think they can afford in a couple of years. But if you say, hey, listen, man, what's your dream car if money was not an object? It'd give you a completely different car. That's the real dream car. Yeah. And, and for me, I'm not at that point yet where I have total freedom of decisions, but I am very far from not having that. You know, you know what I mean? I'm closer to having more freedom in my decisions than I am, you know, not having freedom in decisions. And it's not because I have a problem with authority or whatever it is, is, you know what? We all say this, man, look, 
you only have one life. But the truth is, if you do it right, one is all you need. You know what I mean? So how am I going to do it right? I need to make sure that I do what I want to do. You know, if I want to take Megan out on a date tonight, I take her out on a date tonight because that's what I'm actually doing. <laughs> you, know, awesome. so, you know, if I want to stay home and put a nursery together tomorrow, I do that because that's what I'm actually doing, you know? Um, rather than saying, hey, man, you know what? My business is not where I need to be, so I got to come in and do this. I gotta, you know, that, that was before, you know? And I don't regret, I don't regret putting in the time and, you know, and I don't even call it sacrificing. I call it investing. Investing the time to actually get that done so that now if Megan says, hey, babe, I want to do this. I was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Just the other day, you know, we were supposed to go into Asheville for the cabin trip that, you know, we're planning. And um, we couldn't find a cabin big enough, so we moved the trip to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And Megan said, oh, you know what? I had my heart set on eating, you know, at these restaurants in Asheville and blah, blah, blah. I was like, ah, no problem, babe. You know, when we come back, we come back, you know, maybe two weeks after we come back, we'll just go to Asheville. She's like, all right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Because that's what we really want to do. Yeah. You know? So that's what being successful is. You know, I don't think there's a, there's a figure or there's, you know, a status or what people think of you or, you know, whatever it is. I just think it's, you got to figure out what you want to do and you got to fight like hell to get it. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I feel that's why I put that the last question because a lot of people like sometimes define success X amount of money or doing this, but it's like everybody has their own definition and it's okay to have your own definition because build your own success, build your own brand. Like you are you, you're not me and you are not the same. So make your own definition of success. You guys, it's perfectly fine. You know, yep. as long as you're truly, really happy and you go to sleep and sleep like a baby and wake up full of energy, looking forward to the next day. I mean, you, that definition of success, that's what it is right there. You don't have to stress out towards, you know. I agree. I agree. You know, you, you feel good. That's, that's all it is. You know, the, the realest thing is intangible, which is a shame. <laughs> Oklute, thank you so, so much for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Any last thing you would like to share with my audience? Uh, no, I mean, thank you. Thank you for, you know, considering me to be on here. I think it's cool to get the exposure. Um, I'm a big believer in every success story needs to be told um, because there's someone waiting to hear it. There's someone waiting to take action and there's someone waiting to get in, you know, get, get those vibes from yourself. So, um, I just, I just, I'm just very grateful that I get to do this. Um, don't forget, check out Bourbon with O. It's, uh, you know, it's, there's a YouTube channel, subscribe, share, like, comment, tell us what you think. Um, get on my Instagram, look at some of the stuff that I'm doing with the high schools, look at some of the stuff that I'm doing in fitness. Most of the fitness stuff is funny, I think. Um, but it's just, it's just me being me, you know. I, I think everyone needs to be free to do what they want to do and feel the way they want to feel and do what, or what exactly makes them happy.
And I'll attach all the information below you guys if you want to just tap along and it will be directing you to the links to connect with Oklate. And if you want to listen to awesome and cool interviews, interviews just like this one, make sure to tune in every Tuesday.